to GEC Important Talks. This is a podcast series presented by the team at Global Education Connection, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing children who are affected by conflict or natural disaster with resources like educational materials and art supplies. As a part of this podcast, we want to talk about important topics related to children, their human rights, and their education. Of course, no one on this podcast is an expert. We speak only to our knowledge, personal experiences, perspectives, and opinions, but there are many credible online sources for further information. Today we have myself, Catherine Slaughterback, and Carter Beck. And we are also joined today by special guest Greg Smokowski. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you on. And today we're going to be talking about his work with uh, Go Ukraine and uh, kind of an overall topic talk about Ukraine, uh, where it's at today. Uh, before we get into that, here is just a quick word about our business sponsorship program. Yes. So in the nonprofit worlds, we are able to continue the great work that we do from the generous contributions of individual donors through grants, um, but also through business sponsorships. So if you yourself have a small business or you work for a business that you think might want to support the work that we do, please go to our website where you can contact us about our business sponsorship opportunities. Thank you so much. Yeah, Instagram to the end of the episode to learn about the other ways you can support the work we do here at GEC. Um, so, I don't know about you guys, but I remember very clearly where I was when it was announced that Russia was invading Ukraine. Um, I know that was like a monumental moment for everyone. Um, and that sparked the work we do here at GEC. And I know that also sparked the work you do at Go Ukraine. So if you wanted to just touch on that a bit and what kind of inspired you to get to where you are today of course of course and um and, and thank you guys for for having me uh, for inviting me it's it's a pleasure um uh, you know to, to work with uh wonderful people peers colleagues uh and and you know we're all we're all in the same in the same boat here so and and, and it's good to to speak with people who understand the issue and the, the importance of uh why the united states should continue to um support and, and maintain awareness. So um, to begin with, um, in on February 24th, 2022, uh, Russia started a full scale, Russia uh, began a full scale invasion into Ukraine. Um, many may not know, some may have forgotten that there was uh, the beginning of the conflict that did start in 2014 with the annexation of Crimea and uh, the um, separation or the conflict of the internal regions of Ukraine, um, eastern regions of Ukraine, um, that have been, that were claiming by Putin that they were pro-Russian, they were Russian-speaking, that the Ukrainian regime was, uh, uh, you know, uh, terrorizing them, that there's a Nazi regime in Kiev, and, and, and all these things that we've heard and all that rhetoric that was happening at that point. So um, I was uh, in Los Angeles when, when the when I heard the, the news, when I saw the news, my wife was visiting uh, her family uh, in Odessa, which is uh, right on the Black Sea in uh, southern, it's a southern region in Ukraine, southern city in Ukraine. Um, and the, one of the saddest parts about this whole story is that my, when my wife and I, when we got married, we've been married for five years. When we got married, um, she wasn't until we got married, she hadn't been able to see her family, her daughter, 
anybody for five, five years because she wasn't able to leave the States due to immigration paperwork, things that we were um, getting done. So imagine not being able to come home and see your family for such a long time. You know, you, you see your, you missed your daughter grow up. I mean, only through a, you know, the telephone and you come back and then a war starts. And prior to that you had COVID. And so all these things were, were it, it, it just felt like, you know, what is going on? Um, and I had just left Ukraine previously about a month before the invasion the, started on the 24th. My wife was supposed to fly out with uh, her daughter back on the 25th of February. So they just were one day uh, late or uh, yeah, one day late. Um, and we, we, they were due to COVID, we were waiting for an immigrant visa for uh, the petition for an alien relative to uh, go through for, for uh, my stepdaughter's side. And I was writing to senators um, and thankfully, I mean, this is a miracle that we got it a week before the US consulate closed in Kiev. We got the non-immigrant visa for her to be able to travel. And so that was, uh, we, have, we have a video of it and it's, it's very, very emotional. But then we are also left and now with the decision on what to do uh, with mom, with my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. Um, what what measures do we take? I was in the States. They were in Ukraine. Um, my mother actually was the one that called my wife at four in the morning, um, waking them up because they could, they in part, in part of the house where they were at, where they were sleeping in, some people could hear the bombs going off, the, the first attacks. And, but um, like, for example, my father-in-law could not hear them when he was sleeping. So he didn't wake up to him. Anyways, my mom calls and says, you guys got to get up. The, you know, Russia started a war. They're invading. And being on the Black Sea, there was the first threat was, okay, they're going to have like an amphibious assault uh, Marines uh, landing on the beaches of Black Sea because they have a huge naval fleet, a huge naval presence at the time. Um, so it was within about an hour that they gathered all the things. Luckily, my wife had already packed the night before because she was planning on already flying out. So we, that didn't take time, uh, too much time. Then they drove all the way to um, through Ukraine um, into Western Ukraine to a friend's, uh, to a friend's uh, home where they were able to relax a little bit, uh, kind of understand what the situation was, get their bearings, find out what's going on next. Um, and thankfully I have, you know, have relative, uh, a, a relative of mine who, um, is, works in DC and he has some, uh, ex, uh, contacts and experience and knowledge about how these, uh, types of things may work and how to coordinate, um, and help getting, um, uh, getting them out. Right. What, what, what cause I've never, never been in this situation. I mean, there's bombings, there's a, a risk of, uh, confrontation invasion, um, and so thankfully for him, he was, he helped us out greatly, um, by, first of all, the first thing he said, don't go to the Polish border, go to the, go to Slovakia, because at that time the Polish border was already a three day long wait just mm -hmm. to get through. And I mean, cars were literally moving by like, I mean, a, a kilometer, maybe every couple hours. So, and that's, that's, it's not a lot. Um, and there was, that itself was becoming a humanitarian crisis at the very beginning. So. So you have all these different uh, issues that we were dealing with, um, and that's that's how the war started uh, for us. Um, they ended up getting to the border. Uh, they ended up going into into Slovakia. 
very, very nice family, uh, Slovakian family, um, provided them shelter uh, housing for about a week or so while they were getting the documents ready and, and doing some other things uh, in, in preparation for travel because also keep in mind my my mother-in-law father-in-law did not have any travel documents that they could legally enter the u.s by uh, via a plane with my with my wife and daughter so they flew to sweden to a friend's uh to a friend's place which ended up having 12 people from ukraine living in one house and it, and that was not manageable it was not sufficient it was just you know we couldn't keep on they couldn't stay there um, it's not sustainable that way. It's a huge amount of stress. And as soon as the border um, opened up uh, for Ukrainians to cross in from Mexico uh, into California, uh, we said, okay, that's it. We bought them a ticket. The next day they're on a flight and they were in Mexico, uh, Mexico City. Then they flew to Tijuana. I drove down, parked my car in San, at the San Ysidro border crossing in San Diego. I walked across the border and then I, and I took a taxi to the airport. And at the airport, there was already a lot of Ukrainian volunteers from the States greeting the, the people coming in from Ukraine and helping and, and taking them to the border crossing and, and assisting them and translating. And, and, and so from the very, very first day, I mean, the, the unification and the, you know, the, the coordinated efforts that we, we saw across the whole country of people helping was, was, was really unprecedented. Um, and, and that was something that we needed. Again, we we have to always be be thankful for. Um, and so that's how we all got. That's how we got everybody. That's how we got them out. I went went in. We um, we walked across the border, and and now we are living together um, uh, and and just li doing life, doing life. And that's what sparked. The, and then I, well, and then what sparked the idea and the the desire to. I mean, we could not just sit by and watch what was happening, obviously, right? I mean, we had, Ukraine is a beautiful country. It's a, it's a country of rich culture. It's a country of very bright, intelligent people. Some of the world's, you know, best tech companies, things that we use daily, PayPal, WhatsApp. Um, these are Ukrainian-founded uh, companies, um, you know, along with Elon Musk and some other uh, partners, of course. But um, they're... Uh, there's a lot of uh, Ukrainian um, influence in, in, into what we use today, and, and, and especially in IT, it's very they're very strong in the IT space. And so in April we started Go uh, Ukraina, Go Ukraine, Go Ukraina, um, uh, and you know we have been doing, I want to say 50 50 percent of the time has been committed to work and nonprofit work, but really it's impossible to just do it and kind of divide that time. So all of it goes into, I want to say, you know, probably a good 75% of our time is spent on, on the nonprofit side. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, it's, I remember when the, I, I know that's a common misnomer. Many people think, like you said, that the invasion started in, in uh, February, but really it was, it was, it was back in 2014 with the annexation. And then um, the the conflict in, in Donbass, um, but I, I remember very vividly watching the news. It was probably about two or three days later um, after after the full scale invasion, and there was a demonstration in Lviv, in the square where they they showed uh, like children's strollers, and they put a stroller out for every single child that had been killed so far, 
Mm. And I remember that very clearly seeing that on the news. And that was very emotional because at the time I, I have, I had a, a three-year-old, um, well, actually at, at the time he was two. And that was very emotional for me to see just that I, I felt helpless at the time. And I think it very similar to, to you, Greg, that we wanted to not just sit by, but actually do something to help. Um, and so I, I don't remember, I don't know if you, if you saw that on the news, but that was, that was really moving for me. Um, and I'm really glad that your family, um, was able to safely, um, come and, and be reunited with you. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was, um, it was a very stressful period and, and, you know, the nothing and nothing like this. The, so the, the TP and the, you know, the program that, that, uh, the uh, United States government and, and president Biden and his administration had, um, had opened up for Ukrainians, uh, United for Ukraine is the name of the program. I don't, I don't really think that anything like that has, um, really been done, uh, for, for any countries other than, you know, there's been the, you know, the Af after Afghan uh, Afghanistan withdrawal, of our mm -hmm. troops, um, uh, there's a, a TPS program, uh, okay. so it's a temporary protected, uh, te temporary uh, protected status. So, um, giving giving an individual a legal status in the in the in our country, um, so that they're not they're not subject to any deportation. Um, but them, I believe them in uh, Afghanistan and, and I believe Venezuela uh, is okay. on that list, and then it's Ukraine. So. Um, very thankful to the U.S. for providing uh, the resources and, and the ability to be able to, you know, uh, of course, it, it's it, it's a huge, it, my our, my life just turned from one direction, going one one direction to a completely another, to a completely other direction, because now I have, you know, not only my, we're, it was me and my wife, we were living together now, we have, you know, Nicole, or, uh, her daughter, um, uh, that is... Uh, 19 years old, almost 20 in August, and um, and her and my wife's parents, and they're we're all living together, and so we had to move. We get get you know get more bedrooms, get bigger yeah. house, find them work, get the paperwork done, do this, do that, take them there, take them. It, it's just I mean everything just completely changed, but um, it changed for the better, of course, it, it, and we're really thankful for 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 having the ability to be even even be able to have brought them here and. Uh, and now we have the ability to continue and that we've been helping with, with go Ukraine. Um, I would, should I get into a little bit about what we're, um, what we do? Uh, yeah, that's point? something I wanted to ask you is, yeah. so you, you had, you and your wife came up with the idea to start, to start this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And then I know you, you, you specifically want to say, okay, we want to help Ukrainians, but then you have to ask yourself, okay, how do we want to help them? So I saw on your website that you specifically focused on modular homes and medical supplies. Is that still the case? Um, so yeah, yes and no. Um, yes to, we came to a realization um, when things it's, you know, it's trial and error. We have never mm -hmm. been in a nonprofit space. Yeah. I've never dealt with any type of disaster or war, war uh, conflict areas or refugees or any of anything of that nature. So, um, we had, um, and I, we, our, our first idea was to, was to reach out and, and, and find out the towns and the cities that have been the most uh, hit, right. Uh, by Russian shells, Russian uh, missiles, Russian bombs. And, um, in order to, uh, 
get people to return back to Ukraine once the areas where they lived were, you know, had slowly become deoccupied de or, or liberated. Um, we, they had nowhere to live. They still couldn't come back. So the question, you know, we, we, that was stood in front of us was, okay, well, what's, what's something that we can do to help, um, promote them to either want to come back or the people that are internally displaced mm -hmm. because it, it, you know, people that, uh, lived in the East of Ukraine in 2014, they had already moved one time when that conflict started, then they yeah. moved closer to like Kiev, um, more towards the middle of the country. And then this war, this and the full scale invasion started and now they find themselves moving again. And, and it's just a complete displacement. And a lot of people moved, came, went into the Western Ukraine. So Lviv, um, uh, Zakarpatia, they have, there's the Carpathian mountain uh, region yep. in Ukraine, which is beautiful. Um, so, and closer towards the border of Poland and South as well towards the border, uh, Romanian border. And the reason why we thought modular homes, we thought, okay, so it's, it's, it's more effective than building a, a, an actual home with a foundation with, uh, you know, the materials and, and everything that goes into it. It's, it's a much more quicker, more effective way to get people into housing. Um, and, and we have been successful in that. Uh, and you've seen also our Instagram is tied onto our website. There's videos of, um, we were lucky and fortunate enough to, um, find great partners our building partners. Um, in uh, in uh, Chernivtsi, which is a southern region in Ukraine, um, yeah. and there's right, right, actually, uh, right across the border from Romania, correct? Exactly. Yes, correct. Yeah. And there is currently um, eleven uh, eleven homes uh, housing um, families that have been displaced. Um, portion of the homes are uh, from Japanese investors uh, funds that are, were wanted to come in and, and, and help and, and help build these homes for these displaced individuals. And, and it's like, we have a kind of like a, a multi international neighborhood, you know, you have like a Japanese sector on the, on the one side, then you have the U S built homes that, that, that we put up on the other side. Um, and, and it's, it was, it's great. You know, uh, uh, a woman and her child lived there whose, um, father, whose husband and father, uh, was a, is a prisoner of war and nobody knows where he is what his status is, if he's going to be exchanged, if he's alive even. So these were the type of situations that we're, we're running into on the daily. So what we're doing today and what happened with our, can we, we, we had a shift of, um, of our strategy and approach because once we came to the realization and the understanding that if we don't help, um, not just you know, people who are displaced and have lost homes, but the, 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 the battle, the victory, right. You know, to win the peace and win the war, we need to support our defenders. We need to support the front lines because Ukraine's economy was not built up for, uh, resisting a huge military war machine, like the Russian Federation, um, even with the help of the United States, uh, and thankfully again, with, without these things in the European Union, uh, Ukraine would have been in a very, very different, uh, situation today as we all, we all understand that. Um, you know, it, it, thankfully the, uh, the Russian, uh, um, military, um, you know, command, uh, is, is used to a Soviet style type of, uh, tactics and they did not, uh, execute their strategies very well. I mean, with the amount of, with the amount of, uh, 
soldiers, manpower, uh, vehicles, tanks, artillery, everything that they had, their, their air force. I mean, you know, had they been more intelligent or properly uh, prepared to execute strategy, it would have been, you know, there was, there was people saying that they brought their parade dress blues and dress white uniforms because they were thinking that they were going to be met with flowers, that, that people in Ukraine were waiting for the, for them, that, you know, uh, that, that they're just waiting for the Russian, uh, Russian world to come and save us and be part of Russia again and, and you know, re relics of the Soviet Union, um, which was not the case, obviously, as we all know. Um, and so... What, what ended up happening is we said, we have to help the guys on the front lines. We have to uh, make sure that we give them what they need because uh, the country was not prepared and, and, and the U.S. and Europe was taking some time to um, get everything moving, right? Getting the um, uh, weapon, defense systems, uh, the Patriot systems, um, you know, the Bradleys, uh, all, all of these things. And so, because if we don't, if they, if they don't win, then there's no reason to build modular homes because there's not going to be anybody to live in them. There's not going to, well, you know, I mean, and I hate to, it sounds very bad and it's a horrible thought, but it's the truth. It's because if, if we take today, if Russia stops fighting, then the war stops. If Ukraine lays down arms, then Ukraine stops to exist. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where we made our shift in our, um, that's where we made our shift in our kind of strategy. And when we um, have focused mostly on um, sending equipment to either front lines, uh, uh, like jet power generators, because it, we're doing, this is a trench warfare style war in most, for the most part. Um, you know, there's trenches, there are dugouts that are prepared and, and, and I mean, they're, they're, well made, they're well maintained and they're well built they need power generators to be able to operate, right? Starlink, mm -hmm. hook everything up. Um, so we just have a huge project initiative that we're working on right now. A thousand generators were sent from the United States to Kharkiv uh, from a company called Champion. And we're working with uh, a, a Kharkiv volunteer group together and the Rotary Club uh, here in the United States that helped fund and get these, um, get these uh, power generators over into Ukraine. And uh, the great thing is about these generators because they usually they would cost about a thousand dollars. But with uh, what we have, what we, um, excuse me one second. With, uh, the, with the generators that, um, with these specifically, we were able to get them for $200 a piece. Reason being is because Champion had a certain amount of materials, a certain amount of, of, of these generators that were um, uh, um, ref like refurbished and that they couldn't sell uh, uh, normal, uh, you know, that they wouldn't come put on the shelves because they needed to be repaired or they just didn't have the, you know, they were able to do donate them. They were, they were a write-off maybe, you know, consider it that way. And so we sent them, they, they sent them over into Ukraine and now they're in a warehouse and uh, they've been able to set up a supply, uh, um, uh, a repair shop where one generator can be repaired in one day, essentially. It's minor stuff, you know, like um, changing a filter, changing an outlet uh, or, you know, because it's all 110 volt and there uh, were 20 volts in, um, in Europe, at the different voltage systems. So there's adapters that need to be put in, but uh, they're, 
the guys love them so much. They help. They they they, they provide power. Um, it's ten times less expensive, and and um, and so that's one of the initiatives that we're working on. Uh, currently, we just sent twelve generators out. Um, we just delivered a pickup truck to um, uh, to a. Um, uh, to a platoon that defends uh, one of Ukraine's strategic uh, air bases, um, which is constantly being uh, attacked by the uh, kamikaze drones and the unmanned mm-hmm. unmanned uh, aerial aerial drones, uh, Iranian Iranian made uh, that are sent from that are given to Russia. Um, and then we also are sending tourniquets and other medical supplies, so blood stopping patches. Um, you know, things that are needed for first aid, uh, combat trauma, medics, uh, stuff that they use. Um, at first, we were sending tourniquets. We were buying them here in the States. Then we were paying for the logistics to send them to Ukraine. And it was a long period. It was So it was money, it was time, and it was not effective. So then we found a company that's in Ukraine that makes the tourniquets just same NATO standard, uh, they provide. They're the official provider to the Ministry of to the Ministry of Defense, to the National Guard, to uh, the uh, police, and it's as as opposed rather than paying twenty eight dollars when you're all said and done with logistics fees and everything like that, we're paying sixteen dollars a piece, and they're already in Ukraine. And, and the guys, yep. I mean, and they're they're great. They're good quality. So we've made a lot of changes as we've been going along this path, um, and we've also. One of the things that we've really focused on as well is the cultural and um, the media and, and awareness of, of, of the issues today. That, um, that, that is something that needs to be constantly reminded people. People need to be constantly reminded of why, why we're doing this, why U.S. is doing this, why U.S. policy is supporting Ukraine. You know, what's happening right now, why, you know, w- with the funding that hasn't been signed yet in the supplemental mm-hmm. bill. Um, and so, yes, our we're modular homes. Yes, we're still we we have that we've done, we've we've kind of completed that project, and now we're shifting into um, more of the um, the needs that are on the front lines and the civilians also that are living that need to be evacuated from those areas because some of them have you know refused to leave. They live there all their life, you know their 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 husbands, their you know some son, their fathers, their Children are buried there. You know the guys that have already, you know, come back and unfortunately um, no longer alive because they lost their lives in the war. And so the parents they don't leave, and 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 it's hard to to see that because they're living in basements with no sometimes no electricity, with poor conditions, and you know, but they don't want to leave. And and so it's this constant battle of volunteers going into these zone into these areas where there's a constant mortar fire trying to convince them to leave saying you guys got to go you guys got to go we have a place for you they have you know places set up for them to live and everything like that but you know so it, it, it it's 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 just kind of the, the reality there right now well i think psychologically that's also got to be very challenging you would think if you're if you're there you don't know who to trust you don't know if, if yeah. this person is, is is telling me hey their safety um, we really need to leave. That's a big leap of faith to have in that person. To, and so, I mean, thankfully, many people have trusted the volunteers like like yourself that have gone over to, to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, they just we need to be able to communicate more so that way more people can realize what's going on and 
and people like like your nonprofit, they're they're there helping. Yeah, there's 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 whole, there's um, you know the 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 police forces out there. There's, uh, I I mean I've met so many amazing people since we've as I'm sure you guys have if you've been doing nonprofit work. You meet some of the most amazing people uh, in this in in this line of work and and and, and you know. Um, we were in an army surplus store in Hollywood and, um, a gentleman had heard us speaking Ukrainian and he comes up to us and he says, Hey, are you guys speaking uh, Ukrainian? Go, yeah, yeah, we are. Good job. Like, how'd you know that? He goes, well, I'm going to Ukraine for my fourth time right now as, uh, I'm, are you, are you military or are you, are you, you know, uh, department of defense? What are you a contractor? He goes, no, just, just, just a guy movie distributor in Hollywood and he lives up, up in the hills. And, you know, uh, I'm like, what, hold on, what you're going to Ukraine because you have, you have no connection, no ties, no ancestors, no cultural, you know, affiliation to Ukraine. But he went now he's been, now he's on, he's been on his sixth trip already as a volunteer. And he just, he doesn't go to like just Western Ukraine and like in the, in Lviv where there's essentially no uh, danger. There's, I mean, there still is some, but, considerably less he's going to almost right near where the fighting is happening and he's he's delivering food and he's you know he's also generators he's also doing i mean incredible incredible people that we've met so and, that, and that's just one of the stories that's me it's that to me that that speaks to the almost like a human connection whereby we all know the difference between right and wrong and we want it deep down in our heart, we want to help, but it's a matter of figuring out how we can help. We, we know why we want to, but then the question is how, um, that was really interesting. What you were saying with how it's almost like trial and error. You were, you, you started off with the modular homes, then you were shifting to the medical supplies and then you were sh shipping medical supplies from the U S to Ukraine. And it's really funny because we actually ran into the same, the same thing as well. We were getting educational supplies here shipped to us. And then from there, we were shipping via DHL over to, to Ukraine. But actually, we had to ship to Poland, um, pick it up, and then drive it across the border. And But after that's all, all said and done, it's very, very expensive, and it's not cost effective. But then for our, our, second, our second trip, we actually then just started sourcing materials there in the country because it's so much cheaper, and you're also able to support um, Ukrainian businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So the um, Albert had told me that you guys were uh, you had taken uh, I don't know, were you with were you with him on the trips that he took? Yes. Yeah. So you know how difficult it can be uh, to first of all the border crossings. Yep. Right. Uh, waiting in line in Lviv. Uh, um, <laughs> so so we um, yeah man and, and so one of the great things that happened, which we were um, this is something that was. Probably one of our more, um, how to say, uh, planned and executed um, missions that we did was we we put together a group of uh, seven Americans that are here local, so uh, business uh, businessmen, uh, other nonprofit uh, uh, leaders, uh, and, uh, and 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 movie production guys uh, because we were doing a lot of filming mm -hmm. and. We convinced them all to go to Ukraine with us. Um, it was a very, very interesting time. So, one of the guy, one of the gentleman's wives said, "You're not going past Lviv because it's too dangerous." 
and he was not going to go past Lviv, but I told him, I said, hey, we, we may want to have a meeting with Vitaly Klitschko um, planned, so you got to come to Kiev. Yep. And she found out he went to Kiev, and it was a whole big <laughs> deal, but, I mean, th- thankfully everything was okay. But um, we, so we brought six, uh, we brought six Americans uh, who had never been to Ukraine, who knew very, very little about what Ukraine is, what the Ukrainian people are like. They, you know, a lot of, in a lot of people's minds, it's a third world country, you know, mm-hmm. when, but when they get there and they see Lviv and they see, um, they see the, the history and they see the architecture and they see how open people are and they see how united and you can see, feel the spirit of like a whole nation being in one rhythm and one flow. And, and, and it's a captivating feeling. <clears throat> so we had, um, it was actually, we went there, so the first installation of our first modular home uh, was, was the reason we went out there. And then secondly, we, I mean, we went to Kiev, we visited uh, the uh, Presidential Honor Guard Battalion, uh, which is in Kiev. We were um, able to sign in the, in the book of uh, dignitaries that only usually like foreign diplomats sign in uh, when they arrive. We went to... Um, you know, the, the biggest children's hospital in Ukraine, uh, Ahmadiyat, uh, which the, the director gave us a, um, a, a great presentation of a, a very informational, informative, I'm sorry, uh, about, about, you know, just statistics and things that have been happening. Uh, we, uh, since 2019, I, my wife and I were members of the uh, Ukrainian League of um, uh, Industrialists and Entrepreneurs. And which is headed up by uh, one of the former vice, um, one of the former uh, prime ministers of Ukraine, mm-hmm. and so we had a, a meeting uh, with on, on terms of uh, economics and in terms of rebuilding, and what's going to happen and what Ukraine needs to do and what we need to see happen in order for the economy to start being built back up. And so we 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 had meetings on different types of levels on different and different um, approaches. So again, also we went to the. Uh, the key, uh, the um, uh, Kiev uh, orthopedic and prosthetics uh, uh, um, uh, laboratory and production facility, which is currently being reorganized because there's a lot, there's a huge need for prosthetic work and uh, for there's a lot of amputees. Um, we were in New York for New Year's and we went to visit a nonprofit that that's bringing guys over from Ukraine and funding their prosthetics here in the U.S. And then they go back to Ukraine. Um, and I mean, they just do amazing work also. I mean, and there's very few people that are actually doing the prosthetics right now. We're, we're actually talking about bringing some of these, in, these guys, two of them here next week to LA so that they can have some, you know, cause there are a lot of, a lot of them have a lot of, you know, whether it be PTSD, whether it be psychological trauma from, you know, being in battle, losing, losing their brothers in arms, losing uh, family members, you know, so we want to, we want to provide them an opportunity to kind of relax a little bit and just, just, you know, really just kind of forget about kind of the war and, and, and have a chance to fully rehabilitate themselves, uh, not just physically, but mentally. And so we're, we're, we're planning on getting them here in the first week of uh, March 8th is what is right now what we're looking at uh, about having the guys here. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what we're what we're doing right now. Um, and, 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 you know, in a nutshell, what we've done in the past year or so. Um, what are your plans for the next year? Plans for next year. Um, very well, ambitious. I guess, I guess what would be your, your goal or your dream for 2024? Right. Uh, first of all, would be to win the war, of course, and, and for Russia to, uh, you know, to fall back to their borders and, and preferably maybe to even fall apart 
into the because Russia has is, is many different nations and countries really still when the Soviet Union was the Soviet Union it was 15 or 16 different republics and nations put together but Russia itself um, with the territory that they have you think why the hell would they need Ukraine you know yeah. why do they need more land why do they need more of this um, you know they have uh, they have so many different other uh, um, autonomous uh, republics within the country itself, like Chechnya, for example, or mm. um, Bashkirtostan, Dagestan. Yeah, all these places. They all have their own leaders. They have their own elected presidents. Uh, uh, but, you know, they still fall under the uh, Russian Federation jurisdiction. Mm. What I, but what, I, what our goal and what I would, our goal is for the next year um, is to... Uh, really make uh, our coalition grow and, and more impactful. So uh, our coalition that we started, it started actually almost exactly one year ago, at, at in the first in the first year of war of the war, the 365 days. Uh, the president of the Ukrainian Culture Center here in Los Angeles decided to get the local nonprofit leaders together to do a three-day. Uh, uh, remembrance and uh, to honor the, the, the you know the soldiers the the, the the fallen heroes and and again to have a, we had a press release with uh, with uh, so we had local politicians come uh, senators congressmen and so that started our coalition work and what that is is it's 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 the ACUO it's ACUO uh, if you guys want to look up the site just for reference it's ACUO dash four UA Dash, uh, dot org, and that link is is on your website as well. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it should be. It should be in the footer, I believe. I I have it on yeah. there. Yes, and <laughs> so um, and, and and so as as founding members of the, actually Albert had uh, signed up for um, uh, the ACO, even though he's not a Ukrainian organization. But you guys have helped Ukraine, so yeah. we're we're not just limiting ourselves to Ukrainian organizations. And what we're planning on, um, for example, this weekend is we're having a very very big um it's, we're calling it Maidan, which is uh, like an auto rally starting from west los angeles we have hundreds of cars that have already signed up and we're just gonna swarm the streets of la taking a, a route down west la uh down wilshire boulevard and we're stopping in front of the uh in downtown la in front of the mayor's the city hall in front of the city hall and uh, where there will be a, um, a rally held with uh, another organization that's a member of, the, of our coalition, where there will be speeches made by, you know, uh, Congressman Brad Sherman's uh, staff and office. There will be um, uh, the dep- uh, deputy mayor of Los Angeles, council, council members will be there, uh, the Lithuanian consulate uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, the, the Lithuanian consul. Um, and, and the list goes on. Uh, you know, we're, I'm going to be on my Harley uh, with, uh, and I'm going to have we're going to have Ukrainian flags, and we're going to have music playing. So we're just going to make a statement that, you know, that's the biggest thing that Ukraine needs right now is because they need to, we need to get this funding passed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, thankfully, uh, Europe, the European Union, has passed the 60, 60 billion uh, euros, uh, which is in, uh, over a four-year period of time. And, um, and that helps. Yeah, uh, uh, the Dutch have completely agreed to give Ukraine their whole arsenal of, of, of uh, you know, everything they have almost from what I understand, which is which is I mean, that is that is a move right there that 
that you know because if if they, if if Ukraine that no one else is going to stop See, everyone's the problem is is that people are still scared of Putin they're scared of him where you know we could have been done with this thing I think a lot earlier had had um, had bureaucratic uh, processes and politics not been playing such a big role. I believe that this war would have been won, or at least it would have been in a much more favorable position for Ukraine, um, without having to give up, uh, like Avdiivka just two days ago, and pull back and retreat. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just there's nothing that we can. I mean, all we can do is call our Congress people, call our, our our representatives, leave them voicemails for every one call that we get or that we do. And we and we send them for every message that we send them. They're receiving another three, four, five calls in, against get, uh, approve, uh, you know, to not approve that funding because they want to, you know, the border security and, and and which is also a very important issue. I mean, I, I I'm not saying that's not important, but I also don't think that Israel needs um, uh, funding assistance and and, and 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 bombs because they've been doing a pretty good job of destroying Gaza. Um, and I and I support Israel a hundred percent. But I don't think they need um, that, you know, assistance from the U.S. because they seem to have ex- all that they need. I, I'm just not. I don't know where that where why they why that's so critical. I'm Jewish, you know, myself, so I can say these things, I guess, without um, insulting anybody. Because but I guess you know, it's just they're fighting uh, insurgency, you know. Um, not to say that that's not more dangerous or, or any less dangerous, but we're fighting the world's second largest military machine that that we you know uh, western countries gave us three days saying that we would hold for three days and that's why i didn't send any help at first is because if that just it would have been a waste but no ukraine has been kicking ass really kicking ass for the past two years i mean if you guys follow the news and you've been watching what's happening it's uh, yeah. it, I mean, they're they're just uh, the tactics that, that 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 Ukrainians are using and the level of training and the in the care that they have for human life uh, is completely different. It's almost non-existent in the Russian military among the ranks. It's um, they have no care for human life. They don't value it. You know, you saw how Navalny um, just you know died. He was murdered. I'm sh- you know, there's no other way to call it. They refuse to give his give his mother his body for two weeks. They're not giving it out. And then so, Pergosian, Pergosian you know, as well. yeah, we're dealing with we're dealing with people that can't can't be talked with. They can't be negotiated with. They can't be trusted. They can't. E, 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 there's no um, the only path and the only way forward is is to defeat. Yeah. And so that they don't have the opportunity to do this again. When when the times that Albert and I have, have been to Ukraine, it's it's truly inspiring to see the the patriotism the camaraderie just the strength of the people they they're all united in working towards fighting off this this huge bully and that is putin and it's 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 very inspiring to see that and i think our goal with the podcast our goal with the work that we do is is really to share hey this is what's actually going on the the news doesn't really do any 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 the news, the news that we see on television is not yeah. really doing um, the effective job of actually showing what's going on, of showing the Ukrainian victories, of, of showing the Russian war crimes, of showing the actual the, the suffering of what's going on, and also showing the great work that nonprofits are doing 
to be able to to help pick up the slack where maybe governments can't can't operate or they're too slow. Um, and so with that, it's it really, really inspiring to be able to see that. And um, I, I guess our goal is just to be able to to share with more people what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think both of you also touched on something earlier about kind of the feeling of helplessness that a lot of people have when looking at this, uh, especially here in America, where Congress has been dragging their feet to pass aid to Ukraine. Um, we've always do our little blurb at the end of the episode about what ways people can do to help support the work at GEC. But what are other ways that you think people could get involved or help support the work that you and your organization are doing? Um, yeah, you know, right now, it's definitely um, just like probably any other nonprofit organization. Um, it, it, the, the hardest part is to is to find and establish a donor base. Mm-hmm. Um, a donor base that will be a, a reoccurring donor base. Um, yeah. And you know, I think right now, right now, really, apart from participating and, and showing up to events and rallies and things like that, uh, people need to understand the cult. I mean, what Ukraine has brought to um, to the world, really, right? And what what kind of contribution they've made. Um, and if you guys should write this down, it's a 15 minute movie. Uh, it's called If Not for the Ukrainians. It's on YouTube. Um, we, we played it at our event where, where, uh, our fundraiser, where, where, actually where we met Albert. Um, and it talks about all of the things that Ukraine has, uh, contributed to the world throughout, you know, the past, uh, you know, two centuries for example. And, uh, one thing that we, uh, that we're gonna, that we're doing is, is we are increasing our um, our advocacy and our awareness uh, campaigns because you know again apart from calling senators and representatives of con- of Congress um, and local representatives is uh, cultural projects so um, we're trying to find ways of connecting you know because before this war started let's be honest nobody was thinking about Ukraine nobody knew people thought Ukraine was Russia and that was the same thing like, like they, they were the same people and and we were friends and buddies and but when you but now if you just open up and read a little bit you know that over the past geez, i mean almost since the beginning of you know the beginning of a recorded history ukraine the ukrainian people and, and the russian people have been at war have been fighting uh russia which was not russia at the time that we know it now um you know, they, the reason why they're trying to hold on to Ukraine so much and not let them go is because without Ukraine, Russia loses all of its cultural history. Um, because really, Russians are descendants of Tartar-Mongol um, uh, tribes that came from the, you know, the East. And then um, the, the Kiev in Rus, which is where the, which was actually the center of European uh, culture in Slavic history uh, was called Kiev and Rus for a reason because it was in Kiev. They say Kiev is the is the is the mother of all Russian cities. Um, and Russians hate when they hear that. And Russians hate you know they 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 don't accept that because 
also Timothy Snyder, great uh, uh, Timothy Snyder, great uh, Yale professor at the Ukrainian Institute. He's got great lectures on um, really, really good information about the history of Ukraine and why things are the way that they are. Um, so my thing, my what, what I what I would say, my call to action, I guess, to to the people listening to to this show, to to us right now, would be just just look, do some searching for yourself, and and and, and find out why we are why Ukraine is in this position. What what happened in the course of history that that this is such a big deal, and why can't they just decide, and why can't they just you know uh, go and have peace talks? No, this is a this is the last war that there's gonna that they have to have because it has to be the decisive the, the, the one that just decides it all because it can't keep going on. There's 58 times in the, throughout the course of of recorded history. I'm, ta- I'm so sorry. I'm talking about since uh, the 1920s, a little bit prior. Actually, I'm sorry, eight, late 1800s. 58 times where the uh, Russian governments, uh, whether it be during the Tsars, Tsars, whether it be during the Bolshevik Revolution, or whether it be during the Soviet Revolution, Soviet times. They were um, uh, uh, prohibiting the use of Ukrainian language. So it's been a genocide of language. It's been a genocide of people. Um, and it's, it's really, really, you know, it's, it's horrible because the Ukrainians have given so much to the world and, and they're, they're so talented and they're, you know, and you've been, again, you've been to Ukraine, so you know that. I, I wouldn't suggest anybody to go to Russia. Actually, in the news I just saw the other day, a girl, uh, uh, a woman from Los Angeles. Yep. You guys, did you guys read that? A uh, yep. girl from Los Angeles. She's a U.S. citizen and a Russian citizen. Went back home. The FSB arrested her because she donated fifty-one dollars to a, a nonprofit organization that helps Ukraine. And she, yep. who knows what's going to happen to her. Because she has Russian government, she has Russian citizenship. The U.S. can't really intervene too much on on, on her on her behalf. So, you know, for, I, I suggest that people um, really please, you know, read it. Go on our site, gouukraina.org. Um, uh, we have uh, a documentary. Uh, this is one thing I didn't mention, by the way, um, and I'll send this to you guys afterwards so you you can share it. And I'm going to be posting it on our site. One of the interviews we shot started shooting a documentary film of of. Uh, uh, taking interviews when uh, refugees were arriving into Los Angeles from Ukraine, and we're not we're not movie, and we're not movie people. I'm in the, I'm in actually I'm in real estate finance, right? That's what I do for like a living, and so we had an idea to let's hey let's get to some of these stories of people coming in because a lot of it is very very touching. It's a lot. It's very intense. It's very it's very real. You know, it's like the 20 days in Mariupol. I don't know if you guys have seen that. But I can't watch that more for ten minutes, more, more longer than ten minutes without without crying. But like he says in the beginning, it's painful to watch, but it has to be painful to watch. Is that the interview you have on your website with Ola? So yes, yeah, so there's uh, Ola, and I'm about to post a second one, which is um, a much more um, call it. Uh, this individual is from uh, he was from the Kherson region. He was living in occupation and. Uh, with Russia and under, you know, I mean, he, he really some intense things. And actually, even Olya's interview that, that is up right now, I'll be re-uploading because we've made changes to it. Um, so I, I, I'll send, uh, those will be up uh, within the next, um, within the next probably 48 hours. 
and uh, I, we plan on, on showing those. And, you know, we've already gotten some invitations to come to, um, you know, colleges to speak with uh, students, mm, you know, to uh, I've been uh, a group of uh, students from UCLA. We're coming up with social projects of using augmented and, and virtual reality and how they could um, help um, Ukraine uh, from UCLA. One of them was called Raise a Glass. Um, they came up with this thing. It's a wine. They partnered with a wine company. And on the wine label, there's you get a QR code that you scan, and then you scan it with your phone. Once you scan it, there's a story that pops up on your phone in like an augmented, like an AR type of uh, mode, and it's a story of like a, a Ukrainian story of of triumph and of yeah, victory, and it's it has music and it's got like the you know some uh, graphic and, uh, graphics going through it. It's a pretty cool. It's a cool little concept that they came up with. So, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, and and. Plus, Ukrainians are just fun, just fun people to be around, you know. Um, I encourage anybody to, that that's listening to, if there's a, any, uh, it's, we're coming up on the 24th, two days. If anyone is in Los Angeles that's listening, uh, I don't know how many listeners you guys have, but if any of them are in Los Angeles, we are, uh, please visit our website. We have all the information. Uh, maybe you guys can post my phone number somewhere um or our site so that people can if they're interested in, in contacting us uh, we'd be more than happy to to speak with them and give them more information and and and, and you know get them to uh to to join our community here and, and, and join the fight and, and help make you know make sure that ukraine is victorious in in this war i i think one thing that i i know i told my wife right away when um when i got back from ukraine was I can't wait for when the war is over to be able to bring my family there, just to be able to see how, how beautiful a country it is to be able to, to have some of the food, um, to be able to meet some of the people when we were, when we were there, I remember seeing a lot of the statues were covered up with sandbags with, with these metal cages to protect them. Yep. And I can't wait to, to see the day that those sandbags go away. It's It's going to be amazing. Yeah, you were in Lviv, right? I'm assuming that you were. Correct. That, yeah. yeah. Lviv is, um, in, you know, again, history. Um, so Ukraine has been uh, Polish. It's been uh, Lithuanian. It's been uh, Ukrainian. It's been Romanian. It's been, you know, it's been uh, kind of the re reason why, you know, Ukraine is geographically located in such a great location because of all the resources and, 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 and everything that they have. But it's also located in, in a, um, it was part of the, you know, the, the trade from east to west. It's like the midpoint of the Silk Road. Mm -hmm. You know, all yep. products and, and trade that were going from east to west were going through Ukraine. And a lot of the documents that, that you would read that are in archives that date back to, centuries ago it's actually very interesting a lot of them are written by jewish um jewish travelers and and um mm -hmm. uh, or uh, teachers or doing a pilgrimage or walking or traveling or doing you know um very strong jewish ties actually to ukraine especially in the city of uh, uman where every year hasidic jews come and they came last year they're going sure they're going to come this year again they go because one of the the rabbi is um uh is is buried there and they come and they and they uh they come there for um uh what is it it's um it's like it's it's for rosh hashanah it's uh to celebrate the new year um or or wait is it rosh hashanah or is it uh 
on the dump as it uh, Passover. I'll I'll have to figure that out to tell you exactly where it is, but it might, it might be Rosh Hashanah. No, I actually think it's Passover. Anyways, um, rabbis there, and they come out from all over the world, all over the world. Uh, Jews, um, Orthodox, Hasidic Jews, they come and they come to Ukraine for a week so that they can pray and they can worship and they can, um, you know, fellowship. And, 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 and that's actually one of the most uh, income, um, event, most income generating events for the city and for the people of that city was when they come, was when they come there because they, because they rent all the properties, they, you know, they bring their whole families. They, um, you know, so it's it's interesting. You should read about it uh, if you if you haven't heard about it. It's in it's in a city called Uman U M A N. It's in between Odessa and Kiev. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, and they've been doing it for for years. They've been doing it for years. So yeah, that's that's. Um, I, I mean, I, there's so much more I could tell you, and so much more I could talk about. And I, I feel like. I mean, did I cover? Did I did I cover? Well, I mean, I think I think this was really great. Um, we we talked about the history. We talked about why you started, how your nonprofit evolved, and then also, of course, your 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 dream, your wish for this this coming year. Um, Greg, so on top of goukraina.org and then also the ACUO, where can people find you? Learn more about the work that you and your wife are doing. Um, so we are. Um located physically as, as i mentioned we're located in los angeles the ukrainian culture center is always um it's a very good central point of of um information it has all of our um it has all of all of the events that are happening i'm also a member of um of an advisory uh, an advisory board for the city of west hollywood um this is going to sound kind of i i guess ironic or, or weird but so it's the Russian speaking advisory board in the state in the city of West Hollywood in Los Angeles. Now, the reason it's called the Russian speaking uh, advisory board is because in the 70s there was a very very large wave of immigration of from the Soviet Union that came to the United States. A lot of it is Jewish immigration, uh, which was followed by the second wave, which is the wave that I came in. Um, in the 90s, when after the Soviet Union had already um, ceased to exist. And so I, I actually put in my candidacy for a position on this board before the war started. And I didn't think I was ever going to hear back from them or that I just thought it was they were going to pick somebody else because I'm, you know, I just thought I, I wasn't, I, I even forgot about it for, for a while. And then I get a call, and I get, well, I get an email, and they that they approve my candidacy, and that the, the city council members uh, had a, a, you know to elect me to for a two year term in the, on this board, and then I, I so I went to everybody in the coalition. I said, guys, I'm joining uh, a Russian speaking advisory board. Don't kill me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a traitor. I'm I'm doing this only because and I'll tell you. Uh, I'm doing this because a the demographic is shifting. It's number one because we have people arriving from Ukraine. So many people arriving from Ukraine, and we have we have an ability to take that demographic and to make a change in the city that that hasn't seen change for a very long time. And so I, I hope to make that Russian speaking advisory board perhaps maybe a Ukrainian speaking or a Slavic cultural 
okay. advisory board, right? So we're not excluding certain people so people don't feel that they're, you know, being discriminated. But I feel like that needs to be changed. And and, I'm, and I'm, it's also a great platform for us to to uh, actually push some legislation. So if you are if you know what the hull of the moor is, you know, which was this, uh, the starvation, the famine uh, created by Stalin in the 1930s. Yes. There's a, a book uh, called Red, Red Famine um, yes. about that. Yes, there's a lot of a lot of books and a lot of um, movies and a lot of a lot of information out there. One of the members of our coalition is the president of the Southern California Holodomor Committee, and um, uh, so right now in the state assembly um, of of California, there is a resolution that is in the that has already it's going to be reached. It's actually already passed the Senate of the of California. It's actually going to be on the on the floor of the House. Mm, Probably next week, uh, and it's gonna and it's gonna um, they're gonna be voting to make November every November uh, a Holodomor Memorial Month in California, and the fourth week, fourth weekend of of November is gonna be uh, Holodomor Memorial Day, which is, I mean, it, it declares it as a genocide, right? Um, kind of uh, similar to the Armenian genocide and in, 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 uh, in Turkey. Uh, the, the Turkey uh, uh, committed, and so we're, it's been. So I'm 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 actively uh, doing uh, uh, community work that that is not only just for you know the preservation in in, in U- Ukrainian culture, but really it's just for just to just in general. I think these things need to be need to be known, and people need to understand what happened and, and why things are the way the way that they are. You know, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, uh, this I, I I might I might run for city council. Maybe I'll run for mayor. Who knows? I mean, I you I just I, te- I, teased up teased that a little bit. Yeah, I'm finding <laughs> I'm just, I'm finding a whole new part of myself with this work that we've been doing. So I, I I'm leaving the doors open, and it's a great oppor- There's great opportunities, and and I'm and I love what I do, and I love helping people, and and so I hope that you know we can we can uh, keep building on this momentum together. Greg, you, you by by doing this, you show people that it's possible, even if you don't have a history in humanitarian work or you don't have a history in working in nonprofit work. If you're if you're why, if the the reason why you're doing what you're doing is strong enough, you will find a way. You will learn and you will you will accomplish it. So, Greg, really, this is inspirational to be able to learn for, learn your your story um, with with you and your wife and creating Go Ukraina. Um, so thank you for your time and being able to share that with with us and with our audience. We really appreciate everything that you are doing and, and of course, your time. Thank you. Thank you guys as well. Um, uh, really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, any 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 time I can I can I, I, you know, my you have my information, my contact information. My phone is always on for you guys, for anybody. Um, and thank you. Thank you for, for the work that you do as well. Um, it, it brought us together. So. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing is, is you just, you, it opens up a whole new world of being able to, to help others and, and share in, in trying to, to make the world a better place. Um, and so, and so we'll definitely Ukraine, be, uh, Ukraine begins with you. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. So we'll, um, Greg, we're going to put the, uh, the link for your website, um, as well as the ACUO in the, mm-hmm. um, in, in the, the link for the podcast. Okay. Um, but just with that, we just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, and thank you so much, Greg, for coming on. It was an absolute honor 
Um, this has been such an amazing time listening to how passionate you are about this and all of the work that you and Go Ukrainia are doing. So thank you so much. Um, but before I get into my little outro spiel, here's just a quick word about our coloring book. Yes. So the at GEC, um, one of the ways that we're able to, to help kids is through art. And to be able to do this, we create a coloring book. It has 30 animals, plus also some wonderful facts about these animals. And it's a great way for kids to be able to draw and learn. You can find that on Amazon. And it's also able to help support the work that we do. So mm -hmm. if you can, you can purchase this coloring book. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much. Absolutely. You can also support us by checking out our Patreon, which I have linked in the description below. Uh, you can also check out our Think Tank publications, which are on our website. Also on our website is our shop, which has a lot of other really amazing products. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. This has been GEC Important Talks, hosted by the team at Global Education Connection. You can find us at our website, www.globaleducationconnection.org, to find more about who we are, what we do, and how else you can best support us. You can also check us out on all social media platforms. So thanks again for listening, and we hope to have you all back next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.